Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amadon, and this is the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers and the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amadon Planet production. No, no Dr. Monroe today, but we do have Dr. Livingston, Dr. Christy Livingston that's joined us on the Teacher's Journey. How are you, Christy? I'm good. Thanks for having me uh, along today. Fantastic. So we're, we're uh, again, we're Dr. Monroe-less, but that's okay. I'll, I'll try to add in uh, some things I think that she would, that energy and, and enthusiasm and possibly some pop culture references to early 80s uh, music. Uh, we'll maybe take do it. Some... We'll take it. I mean, I was, I was born not in the, you know, after the early 80s, but you go ahead. I'll pretend like I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Right. Okay. So you just, just, just for, uh, just for giggles here. What about, uh, what was like your, like in the wheelhouse of your, you know, teenage years, what was your group or what was your music group just for, to satisfy Dr. Monroe curiosity in sync. Bye, bye, bye. There you go. Fantastic. Yep, there you go. I'm is not taking that, that is right, right? Bye, bye. Yes. I'm very, yeah, yeah. I'm very proud. Very, very good. Well oh, done. Great. A plus. Because I was gonna, I was gonna I want it that way, but that's Backstreet Boys. No, right? no. Yeah, that's then, the other. then I would have had to just log off, and that would have been the end of this well, podcast. <laughs> well, now we have, so now I'm here in the in the you know the mid south, and Justin Timberlake, he's local. I mean, I would say as local to us as as possible. Right. All right. right. He's fantastic. All right. So you're here to 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 talk about a mile mark of your development. Before we do, let's get into this little countdown. Know you're familiar because you've uh, you said you listened to the the podcast. Thank you very much for doing that. And uh, wait, before we get into it, introduce yourself. Oh, my goodness. Like, and yeah, what your role I? is here at the School of Education. Why am I here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am Dr. Christina Livingston. I am currently an adjunct instructor here, uh, work with uh, pre-service teachers in the world of literacy, and I'm also a consultant with the uh, North Mississippi Education Consortium. And you've gotten a few degrees here. A few. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Bachelor's, master's, doctorate. Here I am. There you are. So fantastic. So let's, and again, my, my, uh, my word that I keep using is fantastic, but it is, it is fantastic to have you here, but let's hear from you about three teachers that you'd like to thank who have shaped your development as a person. I think that's such a loaded question when you ask a teacher who their favorite teachers are, because then I feel like you have to make a list. No, 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 Uh, not favorite. It's just three of them. You just want to thank them. They're like, they don't have to be the I know. We're, you don't have to be the, uh, Dr. Yeah. Amidon's like, you don't have to mention me. I know I was your professor, but you don't have to mention me. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll start in elementary school. Uh, Gay Darnell was my second grade teacher. And she was one of those teachers like, man, she just loved me. I mean, I'm, I'm very sure she loved everyone in the class, Yeah. but she was one of those people like you just knew, like she loves me. Like she was just fantastic. Just the sweetest, most kind hearted teacher there ever was. Um, High school, I had Senora Hanel for four years teaching me Spanish, and she was one of those teachers that engaged me so well. Um, don't don't pop quiz me on Spanish at this point because it's been a minute since I've been in high school. But the reason I wanted to take four years of Spanish was because of her. It was nice. a completely immersive classroom. When you were in there, you were speaking Spanish. You were like doing all the things, and she was just so so engaging. Um, and then I guess going. To the university when I was working on my master's, I had Dr. Jerry Lee Moore. Just legend, legend, yes. The kindest soul. But she was a teacher that encouraged me actually to get my doctorate. I 
I was fine just getting my master's and I was, I was so happy in my role as an intervention specialist and I loved what I was doing, but she came to me and said, you'd be really good to, to teach one of our adjunct courses and you really should look at getting a doctorate. So she was one of those that kind of planted that seed in my head and saw more in me, I guess, than I, than I saw in myself at that time. So I the list is endless, but those are three that I'd, I'd love, love to thank and they're just fantastic. Yeah, that'd be another podcast, the, the nudge, right? You got a nudge. Hey, go get, you, you can do this. I mean, and, and I don't know for you, or for me, it was like, what? Like get a doctor. Right. What does that even, what, what does that even mean? Like, I don't, yeah, that's great. I'm, I, that's cool. That I see, I didn't know that about Jerry Lou, uh, yeah. Dr. Jerry Lou Moore. She was a, yeah, she's a, she's a legend. Definitely. So recall two reasons or events that led you to become a teacher. So for me, I can't actually even pinpoint these like specific moments in my life that I'm like, oh, I, I think I'm going to be a teacher. I feel like uh, I'm really loud and energetic and bossy. Like that's just who I am as a person <laughs> in, a bu- in a bubble. That's who I am. And I felt like life, I knew I was going to be a teacher. I mean, I can vividly remember being eight years old and making my poor four-year-old sister line up with all the baby dolls. And I would like teach them lessons and they were going to sit there and they were going to be quiet and they were going to learn from me nice. because I was the boss. Uh, I can remember in eighth grade, my dad's military and he's very like, you have a plan and this is the plan you follow. And this is what you're going to do with your life. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table with him in eighth grade. And he said, okay, you're just going to start high school. We need to plan out what you're going to take. You need to know what you're going to do at the university. What are you going to be when you grow up? Oh my a doctor. Gosh. Like, and he, he was very adamant that, yeah, yeah he's going to retire. I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to make all this money and do all these things. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be a teacher. And he was like, that's not, that's not the conversation I thought we were going to have today. That's not where <laughs> I was going. So now I try to joke with him. Well, dad, I am a doctor. That's right. So I got it. There we are. But I can just remember those moments of like me flat out saying like, this is, this is the path I'm taking. This is what I'm going to do. And I just, I, I just always knew this is, this is where I'd end up. That's great. That's right. So you know, we're, we're on the teacher's journey. We're placing a mile mark of our development as a teacher. You're working with pre-service teachers and, and doing this exact practice. So this is awesome that you're participating in this uh, podcast recording. So can you place one mile marker on your path to better teaching? And, and what would, what artifact would represent that mile marker? I think it's so funny that even 14 years in education, I can like immediately know an artifact that completely like shaped me, changed me, like made such an impact. Um, and I kind of wish like I could like just share a picture of it because it's, it's just a one page intervention template. Well, so, you can't, you're, we're going to, we're going to put it in it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. So yes, okay. we will. That way people can visually see like, what is she talking about? A template. Um, but my first six years in education, I was an intervention specialist. And so this template is literally like, if you just think about kind of like if you're doing a UBD, it's, where you just feed in the information. It's a layout, mm-hmm. a template that says, put these things here so that you can have the best intervention plan possible. So for me, it, it just, it's, it's the artifact that stands out that helped me in my career starting out as a teacher. So what would it, so I, maybe you'll get into this with when you're talking about uh, this next piece is like, why it's important to you in your development, but like maybe what isn't, I mean, when you're talking about doing an intervention, what, what are you really talking about there? Okay. So when uh, my, my first few years as an educator, 
I worked only with tier two and tier three students. So only those students who needed to be pulled out at some point in the day to get supplemental support on any number of activities. At that time, I was uh, doing this for third through sixth grade reading and math. Um, and so for for reading, it was literally I had fifth and sixth grade students who were 12, 13 years old, but didn't know all their Bible sounds. Mm. So I needed to develop some type of plan. You know, when we think about lesson plans, we think about your opener and your closer and your right, body right. and the assessments and all these things. But an intervention plan is very different. It's very focused on a skill that the kid is missing. Mm-hmm. And normally it's only like 30 minutes long. So this template really was kind of like a lesson plan template that that kind of just laid out what it would look like in a week's time for me to support um, any student. Mm, nice, nice, nice. So, and again, why, so why was this important to your growth as a teacher? So um, like I was mentioning, I, I was working with 12 and 13 year old students who didn't know all their vowel sounds, couldn't read, like didn't mm. know the difference between bit and bet, like mm. the E and I could, couldn't hear that difference when they were listening to it, couldn't write the difference. Um, and so what was wonderful about my placement is there was a K2 reading specialist that was uh, also doing interventions and she had been teaching for, I don't know, 30 years. And she just knew how to do this and she could do it in her sleep. And she kind of took me under her wing and she says, let me show you what my intervention notebooks look like. And let me show you how I keep this all organized. Cause it was at a point where I was meeting with a different group of students every 30 to 45 minutes every day. So it was like, a constant go, go, go of new So how kids many students is that in. In, a, in a day? I think my caseload at this one school ended up being 80, but that was for a full week. But, but that's 80 I plans, 10, right? 10 kids, yeah. Well, oh, wow. But it, the kids were like in a group of five or six. Got it. So um, again, math isn't my ministry anymore, but at one point it was. But it was still, a, it was a lot to keep up with and you had yeah, to yeah. be able to make edits like within a, a day or a week based on, okay, did they get the skill? Did they not? What did progress right. monitoring data tell us? And so it just gave me a way to organize kind of the logistics of what a, an intervention should be. And what's funny is right now I'm teaching EDRD 414 here at the university, which is reading diagnosis and interventions. I literally am using that intervention plan to show and teach my students how to do it. Nice. So like, if we're talking about reading and a student is really struggling with uh, with phonics or decoding, maybe the first five minutes, it'll have like a little five-minute block. They'll just spend on phonological awareness, which is just, do you hear syllables? Do you hear the sounds in this word? Uh, maybe we spend five minutes on sight words, and then you have like a 20-minute block for a phonics focus. But it allows them to just plug based on the data. This is what we're working on, and this is what I'm going to do. And they can just check mark, add notes, and move on. And it's not you know, taking days and days and hours and hours to plan out because of the logistics. And that's, I mean, I guess you just to put an exclamation point on that. I mean, for those that maybe logistics is not their strength and everything like to have a plan and something like this that you're like, Hey, here's where you can keep track of this information and and to not spend as much time. Cause if, if that is not your strength, now you've got the format in order to do it. And then you can spend the the time that you, if you didn't have a plan, you know, that you'd be spending on all like trying to organize everything. Now you've condensed that. So now you can spend the time doing the thing that you're really passionate about is working with the kids right. and coming up with better ways to, to help them uh, meet the needs that they have than why they're in the, in the tier process. And so, yeah, I mean that I, I just know like 
too. And, and we have some similar sort of uh, characteristics about ourselves, like <laughs> where if I'm not, if, if that part of my life is like on like the paperwork side and the logistics side is unsaid, like it's, I'm not as good in the, like being with, being with people. Right. And so that's a, and you're probably not going to sleep at night because you're right. thinking I don't have this logistics figured out and I don't know how to, how to get there. Right. And you think about, I mean, it, I, the number of students, I know that they're in groups and things like that, the number of students that you're interacting with in a very, um, you know, probably intense part of their education. I mean, that's, that's kind of an amazing thing that you're getting to have that sort of influence. You get to see progress and on how they're developing. And so that's, that's awesome. But the, the fact that you pointed this out and something that still holds with you, that is a pretty good artifact. So we, we need to have a link to this thing. So excellent. A shout out to Becky Floyd, who actually ended up when I got my, when I was doing my research, for my dissertation went with me and did my assessments with me on my students. So it's like, I'm telling you, education's just, it's just full circle. It that's all right. comes back. So um, how is it, why is the smile marker important to the field? And I think we, we, we're pretty good there, but how do we tie it into these uh, in-task standards? So for me, looking at, at this specific artifact, um, I really can connect it really well to standard four, which is all about your content knowledge. Because mm-hmm. yes, it's just a logistical piece of paper, but the way that it's, it was broken down by like the skills I would need to focus on for reading, which is phonological awareness, a quick thing with sight words, and then phonics. It helped me better understand how those components went together to help kids know how to decode. So just mm-hmm. using the template and following along helped, make, helped me, make me understand better what makes a kid really know how to read and be able to sound out words. So it built my content knowledge. And, and you kind of don't think about logistics going with content knowledge, but it, it opened my mind and it kind of freed up space in my brain to focus on, on that instruction. And then I also would say standard seven, obviously, instructional planning. Yeah. You know, when you have this many plans to do for this many kids and anything that can kind of be a time saver, like you said earlier, that I can just get there and start focusing on the instruction and making a difference, man, it was, it was fantastic. That's your word. That's your word for the day where I'm going to steal it. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was just, I mean, even looking at the standards, like the, the last part of the uh, content knowledge standard says, uh, creates learning experiences that make the discipline accessible and meaningful learners to assure mastery of the content. I mean, mm-hmm. You probably even said that earlier in this uh, in this, this is episode. We, is this where we do a mic drop? No, that's yet. right. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, again, there it was again. So, why is this? Uh, so, you know, I know you think deeply about education, and again, you've had a number of different roles. What would you say is your current pocket size philosophy statement? Um, I laugh because. Even now, I literally just changed it like this past week when we finished our last chapters of Dream Keepers because I can't remember, I can't remember what was exactly said in the text, but it kind of led me to thinking about, uh, like, I guess my philosophy right now is high expectations plus deep relationships. That's what has a huge impact on, on a student's life. Nice. Like if you can have those two things, um, obviously we want to have content knowledge as well. But I cannot think of one successful teacher I've ever seen that didn't have high expectations of their students and also deep relationships. And if you can master those two things, you can just, you can change a kid's life. Yeah, yeah. For the better, for the better. Well, and I think, I mean, the equity principle for NCTM is high expectations and, and strong support. But then, you know, you know, I was thinking like, well, what about strong support? Well, if I have a deep relationship with somebody, 
and I have empathy towards their experience. And then I, I have this expectation, but then I, because of the relationship, I know what the support they need. I have that empathy because I have that relationship. So I like that combination. You can make that into a math equation too. There you go. Um, just, just I wish I could share my screen because it is. It says high expectations plus deep relations <laughs> equals. <laughs> Again, circle of life. That inner math, math nerd that I used to be. Okay, so then how can we, so we have that, that's newly adapted philosophy statement. How can we see the influence of this mile marker from way long ago uh, on your philosophy statement and your journey as a, a teacher? I think even going back six years ago when I was an intervention specialist and I was working with those struggling students and honestly, like, I don't think there's going to be any, there's not going to be ever a job that brings me more joy and fulfillment than the jobs I've had when I was actually working with, with kids, when I was mm -hmm. actually working with students. Yeah. But knowing that, you know, I am very passionate about teaching them, but being able to like meet them at the level where they needed and, and, and have this plan that says, you know what, I realize we'll, we'll call them D. I had a student who was in fifth grade who had an IEP who they just kind of had determined like he could not read. And by the end of the year, he tested out of special education because his, like his reading, he learned to read, he could do it. He just needed someone to explicitly teach him. Like, I think they knew, like I was Miss Ard at the time. They knew Miss Ard loved them, but she expected when we're here for this 30 minutes, we have a lot to do. And if, if you're going to be the best reader or the best math student you can be, me and you, we got, we got to be on the same page and we got to get yeah. this done. And having that conversation, I know it's hard. I know right now math is really hard or reading's really hard, but I promise if you stick with me by end of year, you're going to be where you need to be. I mean, and I just put an exclamation point on what I just heard, like that someone tested out of special education. Some people think, you know, some people think when you go into special ed, you stay in the system, but actually the goal is that you don't get need out. It. Like you, right. Yeah. Let's support you where you need it and figure out what we can do for you. That's amazing. That is amazing. So um, now's the time when I would offer a bunch of resources that I would say connect to this, but I, I mean, one, I, I think the resource that you're going to provide this, this template is, is something to take a look at, but also just this idea of thinking of templates. I remember I had a very powerful class with a instructor, um, Alice Udvari Solner. She was, uh, we, she was, uh, the, the, the instructor that taught in a legend up at Wisconsin and she just retired but she taught all the inclusive education courses. And so it was like the first course that we had to have, but I also had her in a master's class. In the master's class, we were talking about what we could do to, what, what could we do as teachers to promote more inclusive practices within our department, right? Within our schools. And you know what we came up with? We came up with a meeting template. And like, that was my project was, hey, if we spend less time debating like where we're at and, the, and then thinking about how best to support kids, like, now, so like, even to say like, there is something about this, like, let's think about what are the key decisions we need to make? What is the information we need to know? Let's eliminate the, the, let's create as much margin as possible so that we can like focus in on the teaching, focus in on our students, focus right. in on those relationships. So still having those high expectations and then building those relationships, but we can, we can eliminate a lot of the waste. If we have some of these things, like I know what I'm going to be, I'm, I know the emails I want to write. I can make those into templates. I can make the, 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 my lesson plans get create a template again, to create more opportunity for thinking about our students and building those relationships and establishing those high expectations. So. I mean, I mean if we think about that, any, anything we do in life, if someone says, Hey, you have to do this project or you have to do this writing or you have to do X, Y, Z, 
we always want to see a model first, right? right. Mm-hmm. Let me see an example. Let me see a model. And if I can see that and kind of get my mind wrapped around what it's supposed to look like, I can provide the content. I just need, I just need to see what you want, what you're wanting there. Right. And that's where the create, you know, the, the model then allows for the creativity. So I know what it looks like, but I can be creative within that model. Right. Right. So it's not like we're, you know, locking people into place. So thank you, Christy, for sharing. And thank you for all you're doing to invest in the teachers here at the School of Education. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So thank you also for tuning into the teacher's journey. Uh, Mile markers on the road to better teaching. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe to the podcast so you are notified when the next episode is ready for you to listen. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. And are you ready to start your, your journey to better teaching? Send an email to Nick Sisk, Nick F at olmist.edu. The School of Education Admissions, he's a School of Education admission counsel, Admissions Counselor to hear about all the options for becoming a teacher or educational leader, or perhaps you are well into your journey and looking to further advance as a practitioner or research in the field. For more information on all of our graduate programs, contact the University of Mississippi School of Education's Graduate Studies Office by sending an email to graduation at olmiss.edu. If you're in doc program, you can send an email to me at jcamidon at olmiss.edu. You can also follow the University of Mississippi School of Education on social media at Ole Miss Ed School on Twitter and Instagram so you can learn more about opportunities like free graduate application weekends. And information can be found in the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. Some good stuff will be there. Uh, that template will be there. Finally, thank you to Christy for sharing a portion of her journey. And thank you to all of you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you've been given to teach others. 